Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food. Or weight. Never ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever ever. Hello everyone. My name is Laura Lee Rourke, and this is It's Not About Food podcast. And today we are talking about body talk. So the image of the card, the goddess has her hand on her heart and in a thought bubble, she has a big red heart that she's thinking about and the deer is lovingly sort of snuggling up to her hip. And it's just a very sweet card. It's like a very loving card and she's loving to herself. You know, she's got her hand on her tummy, which for many of us women, we just hate our tummies. But she has her hand on that tummy real lovingly and her hand on her heart between her breasts. And it just feels like she's really telling her body that she loves it. So in the back of the card, it says, body talk is how we communicate with our bodies. Communications with our bodies are often full of negative, critical comments, which are not only unproductive, but makes us feel worse and leads to destructive behavior. When we are aware of how we talk to ourselves, we can learn to stop the mean body talk or at least slow it down and create room for more positive, loving, nurturing, and inspirational communication with our bodies. So I was just talking to a student about this who said that her whole way that she speaks to her body is how she knows that she was talked to when she was younger. And she's in ninth grade, so she's talking about younger. It's pretty young, really. And she heard over and over and over again how her body was not okay and how it should be this or should be that or I hope you get this and I hope you don't do this. So that was sort of child abuse, I always think, to start to really run somebody that way. But she said when she started to tune in to how she talked to her body, it was overwhelming. She couldn't believe how mean she was to her. She couldn't believe how devastating it was that how much she didn't like her body or herself really. And I told her I could remember coming out of my eating disorder feeling exactly the same way. I could not believe that I walked around with me talking to me that way <laughs> all those years. I mean, I knew it, but it was underground. So today we have such a great person here and I'm gonna let her take over and tell us who she is and what she's been doing. And um, before the show, I talked a little bit about, I know her from, she was in our peer ed group and she was and is just so great and embodied that idea that we talked to the peers about, we talked 
the peers talk to the students about, which is loving and accepting the body that you have, remembering how to eat intuitively, learning how to take care of yourself emotionally. Just very simple and hard to do for sure. But she took it on and ran with it. And I never had to worry about stepping in. Oh, don't say this and don't say that. Just let her run. And she did a perfect job every time. So I'm so glad to have her here and I'll let her introduce herself. Thank you so much, Loralee. It's such a pleasure to be back here, back with Beyond Hunger and just talking about really the foundation and and one of the catalysts for me to want to go back and, and be licensed and do the work that I so desperately needed. Joining Beyond Hunger and doing peer ed was so healing for me. And at the time in my own recovery journey, I felt like, well, how can I be this expert, this so-called expert educating these teens and kids on body positivity? And when I wasn't completely finished in my recovery. And so I think I still sometimes feel that way. Well, how can I be helping when I'm still on my own journey? And I think that that's it though. Like we're always evolving. We're always learning. We're always healing. And it's the experience that is really the most just foundational and impactful. Well, it goes to how I pick a therapist. (laughs) I want somebody who is a person and not just an image or just a book. I can read a book myself. I want somebody who I can relate to and shows up warts and all. I had a therapist once that was always late. And I am always early. Not only am I on time, I'm early. So she struggled with that with me. And I had to struggle with that with her. And in the end, that was a good struggle. We both learned something and I was okay with that. I don't want them to be perfect. I want them to be human. And so if you still have stuff that you're working out, yay, good. Because that makes you real. Well, you know, when you were just mentioning one of your students talking about just their body talk and sort of this programming or early conditioning, learning these things about their body, talking to their body in that way. And it earlier was reflecting on body talk and where do we start to develop it or where was the root of my own body talk? And unfortunately, a lot of the chatter in my mind, when I look back, it was definitely rooted in this sort of generational way of how mothers after mothers talk to themselves about their body. And then not only that, as an athlete and the position that I was in, I really had to adapt and contort and force my body into the way. It was like putting a square peg in a round hole. At the end of the day, it wasn't going to fit, but I continued to sculpt and shrink. And I think that was also where the body talk came into play. But even looking at you describing the card and this beautiful image and the heart, and it's I'm thinking, gosh, if only if it were that easy. I know. It's hard. And it really takes effort to learn how to stop the mean body talk. It really does. Yeah, I mean, it does. Of course, when Carol and I wrote these cards, it took us a long time to write them. We wrote like the ideal, like the hope. <laughs> like we <laughs> exactly. hope that we can be this good about ourselves. We hope we can communicate with love and understanding to our bodies and to each other. And we also know that it's a process and we'll get as far as we can. And I want to say something about your being an athlete and there's a body perfection that goes with that. I think she pronounces it Simone Biles. I saw an interview with her and when she 
was starting, she showed herself online or on Facebook or whatever, eating big meals (laughs) (laughs) and loving that she doesn't have this like tiny little doll body. She's got muscles and she's got health, you know, hips to her and how she had to break those stereotypes of not only the race stereotype, but the I'm going to eat and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to be silly even. I'm not going to be like this cookie cutter that we try to smush everybody in that's an athlete. Yeah. And to that point, not only being an athlete, but even it's so gendered. I think it's so cool and amazing that she was posting that she was eating and, and even not only as an athlete, but as a female to sort of like break that mold. And yeah, girls can eat just as much as boys and (laughs) it doesn't matter how you identify, but we're all human. We all need to eat. I was reading this excerpt from Glennon Doyle's Untamed and it was about her children had friends over and she offered to the kids, do you guys want food? Can I bring you some snacks? And the boys exclaimed, yes, of course, we're hungry. And then all the girls looked to each other for guidance. Should we say yes? Should we say no? Well, I don't know if I'm hungry. I don't know if we can eat. And it basically, ended in saying no we're okay thank you very much and it's just my heart broke because I've been in that place I think we've all been in that place where we deny our body cues and we don't listen so much and you're of a whole different generation as me and there's a whole generation under you and they are still doing that and we haven't broken that yet that it's okay for little girls to fart and to eat (laughs) (laughs) and to have a body (laughs) exactly and being quote-unquote normal yeah i can remember me in the 60s going out on a date and telling my date who was gonna buy me dinner i just really don't eat very much so i'll just have a little salad even like in the 60s and that's still the way it is it drives me crazy that we haven't really gotten better than that for our girls. And hopefully it's a progress, right? Or it's a journey and it's time and time again, we're hopefully evolving and getting better and better. Isn't that the goal? Yes, I hope so. It is the goal for sure. You have a little stage here and you can talk about whatever you're working on or whatever you'd like to put out in the universe. Yeah, you know, well, I was thinking about or I was when I was reading this card on Body Talk and mentioning just bringing awareness, I think I just want to say, I think that's the first step, right? We have to acknowledge and start to pay attention to the things that we say to ourselves. I tell my clients so often is just, let's just start to bring awareness to it and take note of it, jot things down. But then also, how do we start to talk back to that mean voice that's in our head? And so much of it is the awareness. And then I like to talk back to that voice is going to talk to me. Well, I've got to muster up the strength and the confidence to talk back to it and find the evidence. What's the truth? What's not? Because so much of what we're telling ourselves is so false and it's really mean. Mean. So mean. It's like (sighs) mean girls on steroids. If anyone is struggling in this point of just being in the cycle of that negative self-talk and not knowing how to get out of it, I think that's really just the first step. And then from there, can you write it down? Can you talk back to it? Can you say what you're saying out loud? And sometimes it's almost laughable. Like, oh my gosh, how am I saying those things (laughs) to myself? It's just absolutely ridiculous. You would never say that 
to your best friend or, you know, anyone. your closest partner, anyone. I know. I mean, I would never speak to anyone like that. No. And so why do we do that to ourselves? It's a tape. Again, I'm showing my generation to even, it's a tape. Like, what do you mean it's a tape? What's a tape? But it's a recording and it goes off at the moment's notice and it's always there underneath everything trying to keep me in line and really if I look at it it's usually just trying to keep me safe in not a very helpful way it didn't help that my mother when I was a little girl told me I was too fill in the blank to be okay and I needed to change that but the way I was was little me so that would have been more helpful that she saw who I was and was okay with who I was, but she was scared that I wouldn't be okay because she wasn't okay with who she was as a little girl. So at some point you have to break that chain and go, yeah, you might get in trouble being yourself, but it's worth it. Yeah. I just had this image of when you, you describing you know, your mom as wanting you to be okay, but her not being okay herself. And really, it's just these deep childhood woundings. And I just walk about life and imagine, you know, adults as themselves as little kids, and we're all just little kids exploring life and communicating and not knowing and being afraid and it's really rooted in that way. Yeah. And then aren't we clever? We pick the people in our life to actually poke that wound all the time poke, poke, poke. <laughs> You're like so mad at your friend or your loved one or your your family or whoever, but they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do, which is make you heal that wound. Poke it until it's healed. I think that's probably the best and hardest thing. We get to make that choice, whether we want to look at it and, and heal it or stay in the conscious world, continue to live it and perpetuate it. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm when you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. So true. And us who are therapists and work in that kind of field that we're like, can't believe that somebody doesn't want to look at it. You know, <laughs> it's here. We might as well deal with it. Here it is. Let's do it. But it is a choice. And some people choose not to. And I have known many people in my life that have just, yeah, I'm going to call it in on this one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I know you want me to, but I'm not going to. Yeah. It's almost less painful to continue as the status quo or so it seems. So it seems. Yeah. I don't really think it is, but because I was one of those closed persons too. What is this? The thing, the rose only opens up when it was too painful to stay closed. And it just got to be too painful to stay like I was. Gosh, absolutely. But sometimes I guess for other, it's not, it's not too painful. It's more painful to open up and do something else for whatever reason. Yeah. It's the unknown that feels scary and, and not, it's like Pandora's box, right? We don't know what's going to come out. We don't. And that's the exciting part. And that's also the terrifying part. It's a both hands. <laughs> I know. 
And even just in terms of body talk and how that kind of can manifest, whether it's disordered eating or behaviors that we do to modify our authenticity or how it's so pervasive, right, in the ways that it unfolds and manifests and affects our daily life, whether it's in work or communication with friends, you know, it impacts intimacy and it's really, it's one of those things that you got to go back to because it's really the root and the source of a lot of impact and hurt. So much pain. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought up something there about that intimacy, you know, that it's hard to be intimate with someone when we can't be intimate with ourselves. So when we can't accept and love ourselves with these little dimples or cellulite or this one role or another, whatever we were told is not okay. It's very hard to then be just okay with being intimate with somebody else when we are thinking that they're thinking that. And I always tell my clients, check it out. And chances are the person goes, I, I don't, I didn't even see that until you pointed it out to me. <laughs> and if they did, then that's not your person. Yeah. And I think that's a piece that, at least in my own recovery, I didn't realize was so impacted. And I also felt shame around it being an issue for me. Like, yes, I I have all of these other things that are going on. I am trying to control through all the behaviors. But when I experienced this with my partner and just feeling like total body shame around how I looked, how I felt, and what are they thinking? And it was very limiting. And when you can get to the point of not caring or feeling comfortable in your own skin, it's really liberating and it's freeing. And to check it out and go, I'm feeling this. Is this true? Is this what you're thinking? And the person goes, not at all. And uh, yeah, it's a wonder any of us get together with anybody ever, you know, with all of our thoughts and feelings about what they think or whatever. And to go back to this whole part of I wouldn't talk to anybody like I talked to myself before I got recovery. And, and still, it'll come up like right around summer, there'll be a little helpful hint from myself to myself. Now you should diet because you're going to wear a bikini. I haven't worn a bikini in years, but there's still that maybe you should, and you should dye it in order to fit in that bikini. And now I just go, thank you so much for sharing. And (laughs) I love you. And I'm going to just continue on my little path. Yeah. And I think that what I've realized and have had to come to terms with is that recovery is not linear and it's not perfect. And I'm probably not going to get to a point in my life, maybe never say never, but where I'm like, never have a negative thought. I feel (laughs) all the time. Life is good. And so what I really care about is what I like to call like the snapback effect or the rubber band effect. How quickly can I snap back from a negative thought or a feeling, even like, okay, summer's coming up. Oh, I should probably start working out more, whatever it is, that pressure. And how quickly can I acknowledge the thought and be okay with it or say, thank you for that. I'm going to go this way, but thank you. Instead of perseverating on it, feeling like, oh gosh, when the should talk come up, when I should do this, or I should do that, that's when, okay, I got to backpedal and reevaluate here. Yes. And that thought that I have is not even my original thought. 
that's the other part that really blew me away because I didn't come out in the operating room just being born and going, oh my God, I hate my stomach. It was taught to me to hate it. So I can say, thank you so much for sharing, but I'm going to do a different thing. Like you just said, I'm going to go a different way. That's my thought. That other thought was my mother's name was Edith. She's been dead many years, but she is still in my head, as is Sister Mary Margaret and my first (laughs) couple of, you know, little friends in school. So they are still all there just waiting to give me some information. But I have to say thank you because they're not going to go away. I didn't get a lobotomy. I'm going to have negative thoughts. I'm going to have these thoughts. And I can just say thank you and not let it derail me. That was the difference. Right. Exactly. And what a strength in being able to identify that. What a strength. That's a good way to say it because it is a strength. Carol always talks about it's a muscle that we haven't really been taught to use very often and we have to use that muscle. Yeah. It can go beyond just ourselves. I find that my sister and I have a pack now where we don't really allow diet talk, body talk to come into our space because one, we don't want to hear it. It doesn't feel good. Two, we don't want to pass this on. And now I have a baby niece and we're like, it stops here. We're not continuing it. And so I'm not afraid to stop my mom, stop my grandma, even if I get stuck in it or friends too, because it doesn't serve us. It doesn't. And I think just like, you know, we stop people if they're racist or if they're sexist or we, you know, we feel like we can do that. But stopping other women or other now more men every year are getting eating disorders and body hatred. So to stop somebody in their tracks when they're going off on this thing that makes them feel safe and okay is hard for the person to do it and hard for the person to hear it. And yeah, it's beautiful that you feel comfortable enough that you've got this sister to do it with. And then that opened up to your mom and your grandma and then to other people, because I have no tolerance for it myself. And people know not to talk about certain things around me or I jump on them. Well, Laurely, let me tell you, this did not happen overnight. This took years and flexing that muscle and practicing it and feeling comfortable enough to say something. It's not easy. It is not easy. And it does take years. And you're younger than me. So you got it before me. This is how I know it can work, is that we can break these chains until they're not even any longer at all. We just have to show up and do it. Yeah. And I, that's my hope for these younger generations. I work with a lot of teens and a lot of them are struggling with sort of this body comparison and what's on TikTok, what's on Instagram. And I find that that's hard for me as a adult brain. I can only imagine what that feels like for a teen and an adolescent. And It's so true. When we started Beyond Hunger in 88, Carol nor I ever saw what has happened. We didn't even see the internet coming, (laughs) much less. If we had, we'd be multi-billionaires. But we didn't see it coming, and we didn't see social media. 
We didn't see TikTok. We didn't see the filters that girls are using right now. I have a friend who is a doctor and he says, you know, he has girls come in and before many years ago, they come in and they wanted a nose job or they wanted their ears pinned back, maybe a boob job. And now he says they bring a picture of themselves with a filter and they'll say, I want to look like this. And he'll say, but that's a bunny. (laughs) (laughs) You're a human. You're not going to look like a bunny. (laughs) Gosh. I know. Crazy. It is. And it, like any movement or revolution or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes I think about that and I'm like, oh man, this is like systemic belief. This is so much programming, so much conditioning. How is what I'm even doing impactful? But I then have that fleeting thought and continue to do the work because we have to. I can tell you that it does because, you know, doing the peer ad like you did, And you went in, I think one time it was just you and I going into maybe sixth grade. And I heard back from, I probably didn't tell you this, but I heard back from that teacher of how impactful it was to have you come in, a beautiful young woman that they thought was just really beautiful and perfect and cute and funny, and you telling them, that they don't have to go down the road that you did or what we're talking about, that they can change. And it stayed with them so much so that they told their teacher, the teacher told the counselor, and then she picked up the phone and told me. Oh, that's so heartwarming. And I'm really happy to hear that, that there was that impact. And who knows, those little girls have gone to high school and they're probably now in college, really, at this point. And so... What if they don't even have this anymore? Because that's what does happen. They don't even have it. So when they have a little girl or a little boy, they don't give it to them. And that's what we have to do. We have to stand in our spot that we're in. We have to finish. But Jill, I wonder if you'll read the bottom of the card that today I will practice. Today I will practice being aware of my negative thoughts and comments about my body. I will practice stopping them and replacing them with neutral or positive statements. I will practice speaking to my body in nurturing, comforting, and kind ways with compassion and acceptance. Wow. What a concept, huh? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's a practice. It's a practice. And I know for sure that there are other cultures that look at this and go, of course I would do this. So this is our culture that tells us that we can't do it. And we don't have to believe it anymore. And you're walking, talking ideal of that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I think your clients are really, really lucky to have you be in their life, helping them through this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Take care. I'll see you later, Gator. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad-free, you can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food podcast. Thanks so much.